put our series together. We called it The Spirit of Christmas. And we started with forgiveness, and then we wanted to go with Christmas words, but biblical words. We, we've hit peace last week. Next week, we hit love. This week, we're supposed to hit joy. And so when I got joy, there was a chuckle among our staff. There was a chuckle at my house that I was going to preach on joy because yeah, I got, I don't know what it is about Christmas. I'm like, I should be happy all year, right? Like, why Merry Christmas? Why Happy Holidays? Seems like I ought to be happy all the time. And then there's another chuckle <laughs> because they're not confident that I'm happy all the time either. <laughs> it's this massive thing in our society, in our world. As you know, people trying to be happy, right? Some of them for all their worth, they're trying to be happy. Uh, I flipped on the radio last night. I, I come over here and I, I walk laps. So you've been prayed for so, uh, in your seat, but just pray for for whatever might come out of my mouth this morning and how you would hear it, that God would move on it. And as I drove, I flipped on the country music station and the song, I got to hear one full song, Maybe maybe I'm Just Wishful Drinking. You heard that song? It's like depressing. I'm like, I'm trying to get ready to preach on joy, and she's thinking maybe I'm just wishful drinking. Like, like basically, how could I be happy for a very short amount of time because I'm miserable? Could I just be happy? I'm going to drink enough so I can be happy just for a little bit of time. I've watched at least two Christmas Hallmarks with Cheryl this year. I'm telling you, at least two. It felt like more, but nonetheless, <laughs> like they're all about trying to be happy, right? Like there's, there's always a lady or a dude waiting for a perfect lady or dude. Like there's always, there's always this waiting game and they set it up and they're going to have a fight right before the very end because there's going to be a misunderstanding and then, they're, the, then it's all going to work out and the family's going to look great and everything's good. Like every, every, there's like this expectation this time of year where, uh, man, maybe at least for this little few days we could be happy. Cheryl and I moved to Atlanta to plant a church in the 90s, and um, we got to know the neighbors. Cheryl's the best at that. She gets to know all the neighbors, and the neighbors right across the street, they had a really nice house, and, um, and kind of everybody in our neighborhood wanted to be them because of their house. Anybody live this in the suburbs? So we got to know them a little bit. We go over there occasionally when they gather neighbors, and... Um, I don't know, man. We, we got sucked into a little bit of the stuff competition in Atlanta. It's, 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 I'm, I'm sure we can get it caught up in Lexington as well, but it was like another level in Atlanta. And we, Cheryl and I kind of got sucked in. That, like if we had more stuff, we'd be happy. Anybody else? You ever notice it just doesn't work? More stuff makes you happy just for a few seconds, and then you want more stuff. But I, this, this older guy was over there, and they had lots of stuff. And... Uh, he and his wife had just gone to Cancun on a vacation. I met him right after that. I was cutting the grass. We were talking out front. He knew I was a pastor, so I don't know if he was. He goes, you know who the happiest people in Cancun are? I'm like, who? He goes, the people walking down the street to work. It was this really interesting moment. He goes, they have nothing, but they, he said it, they have joy. They're walking down the street. They're enjoying each other, carrying on. And here I am, frustrated with himself, like, here I am trying. I'm spending as much money as I possibly can just to have a week of happiness before I go back to work. I thought, man, write that in a book. That's pretty good. And certainly, I understand that. 
and I imagine some of you do. So when we, we did the Spirit of Christmas series, the, the very first Sunday we talked about forgiveness. It was a powerful Sunday. If you missed it, you may want to go back and watch it. For a lot of us, we worked through some stuff. Something that God's really worked on me through, through the years is a book called What's So Amazing About, about Grace by Philip Yancey. I read it, like, and it really helped me understand forgiveness, and it sunk down into my heart. When we got to peace last week, I would have felt comfortable preaching on peace. There's a book called Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. I read through it, and, and God really worked on me to trust him, trust his sovereignty, his love, and his wisdom. And so there's peace. Next week's love. There's a book called, uh, there's a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. It's outstanding. It's easy to read. Just kind of helps you understand the love of God. But then this week, joy. I'm like, I, I'm scrolling through my Rolodex of books that I've read in my life. I'm like, which one was about joy? The only one that came to mind was a book called Desiring God. It's by uh, John Piper, and I didn't like it, <laughs> which, which probably says something, like, like, right? Like, it's bugged me all week. That's a classic. It's a great book. Like, I'm for it. I'm not against it. I just, like, I didn't get it. I'm reading it, and I'm just trying to get it, and I couldn't get it. It's... Uh, it's this interesting word called joy, and I'm, 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 so I'm sorting this out live and in person in front of you. And so some of y'all that are just joyous all the time, I envy you, and that's right. But I want to talk about it. I, I want to take a definition by Piper. I want to read it to us, and I want us to stew on it. I'm learning. I've been learning all week, and I'll continue to learn on this, so we'll learn together. He answers the question, what is joy? He starts with a definition. I'll read it to you. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. We're just going to take this little definition and break it apart and see if we can learn. I certainly have this week. Hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll help you. Uh, this isn't about personality. Some of us in the room are more joyous because of personality, right? Like you express your joy. You, 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 we got a couple folks in here, like you, you just have this freedom about you. I, I, I love it. I don't have it. I can't dance because I don't have it, right? Like I can't get that free. Cheryl's the most joyous at the house. She's the most sad at the house. She's the most happy. Like she's all of that, like because she can let it go. That's not what this is about. This is not about personality. This has got a depth to it. But I love the way Piper includes it as a good feeling. Because I think Christians get really weirded out by words like good feeling. So let's talk about good feeling. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul. So it's not an idea. It's not something I was convinced of. It's not something you argued me into. It's not something I can discipline myself to have. That frustrates me. I like winning stuff. Winning gives me joy. Evidently, that's not what joy is, according to Piper, and we'll line up the verses to show that biblically that's not what joy is. That was, that was really good for me to get in my head. It's, in some ways, it's an emotion. We're watching uh, Mal Malachi got home Friday night. Monday night, he had a basketball game. We can watch it online. Give me a little permission. I'm, uh, he's driving baseline. For those of y'all that don't know what that is, just go with me. Like, imagine what a baseline is. Anyway, he's driving baseline. He, he shoots a floater. He gets fouled. It goes in, ties the game with like 17 seconds left, and the ref calls a foul but waves the basket off. 
Preston feels my pain right here, right? Like, he can't wave the basket. He waves the basket off, and I'm sitting in my living room a thousand miles away, and guess what happens? I react. I ain't think about it. I didn't, I like plan on it. I didn't have like, like if the ref does this, I'm going to do that. I just, I was mad. Cheryl is yelling at the TV. She didn't really know what happened, but she heard her baby boy's getting robbed. That's all she knew. Like, like, so there was this immediate reaction. We, 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 we had a celebratory reaction when the ball went in and then immediately the ref waved off the bat. How you wave off the bat? Anyway, we'll get out of the basketball tournament. You can't wave the basket off. And so there's this emotional response, unplanned, undisciplined. It's just a response. It just happened. It's, it was in me, and I expressed it. So when we say that Christian joy is a good feeling, there's this expectation that it would just it'd be in us. It's not planned. And yet, the Bible commands us to have it. Philippians 4.4 4, I'll read it to you in old translation. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It's a command. Paul's speaking to a church like us, and he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. How can you tell me to rejoice in the Lord if it's supposed to be in me? Right? Like, tell me how to rejoice in the Lord. Line up the facts on why I should rejoice in the Lord. Yet there's supposed to be this internal reaction, something that I don't control that rejoices, that shows joy. I frustrated the heck out of me this week. Monday already, I was frustrated. I'm reading this passages and trying to get ready. I'm frustrated because I, I, I don't know how, maybe some of y'all relate in the room, I stay somewhat frustrated with myself, frustrated with the world around me. I know there's got to be more, and so I'm always searching through that. So I decided to ask some friends. If you want a practical thing to do, why don't you ask some friends? Like, do you see me as a person who has joy? Now, the good news is when you ask a friend, they feel like they got to say something nice. So, that, like, you'll hear something good. A couple of them that I asked, like, chuckled at the beginning. One, of the, one lunch that I had, we actually agreed that we weren't a part of the Joy All-Star team, like right out the gate. Like, let's just say this, but, but where do we see joy? One of the really interesting things with him was he, he grieves well. And as we, we were talking about joy, because even though he's not on the Joy All-Star team, he grieves. When something breaks, he grieves it. I'm like, man, that's got to be connected to joy. Like, how can you grieve if you don't have joy? Really made me look at myself again. I'm going through a few people. Russell actually at the campus pastor meeting. He goes, I see you come in the office singing sometimes. I'm like, I do. He's like, yeah, you come in, you sing. You sing all the way in the bathroom. Like when you're old, you, go, you get to work. You just go to the bathroom first and then get to work. Like you sing into the bathroom. You sing. I, like I, that was, it was encouraging to hear that. As I'm working through like is there, is there joy? I'm asking friends about it. It's, it was uh, it's, it continues to be convicting to me. I, I want you to think about it. I want you to ask some friends. What's the joy quotient look like in your life? He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in your soul. Um, you ever heard somebody when they, they say, I'm fine? You ever heard a smart act? Like, well, tell your face. Anybody else? Like, like you say, I'm happy, and they're like, hey, tell your face. Like, so, so if it's in your soul... It probably should produce something in your face, right? Like, like probably should or like probably should make something happen with your body. Like sometimes when I'm joyful, I'll shed a tear or I'll laugh. Like you can have all kind of reactions. It probably ought to make this thing 
move, but it's deeper than that. I think through the years, the church has been so worried about that that we try to separate happiness and joy. And so dudes used to preach all the time, happiness and joy are not the same thing. Confused the heck out of me as a kid trying to figure out, so which one is it? Like, really, I think what they're trying to say is deeper than just your body reaction. Something deep in your soul. Uh, I heard a story about one of my kids last week. Cheryl uh, read it um, off her text. We're sitting on the couch. She reads the first paragraph. It's kind of funny. And she starts reading the second paragraph, and I lose it. I don't know if this is a sign of age, but I, I, I was just full of joy. that This was my kid. That came out of my house. That kid came out of my house, and this is what is being said. I, I was full of joy, and then my body reacted. I started tearing up. It's embarrassing. I can't control my emotions. All of a sudden, I'm tearing up at the and Cheryl's like, I'm like covering my face. I don't know how you cry, but I'm pretty ugly when I cry. Like, I, I, ugly enough in real life, but ugly when I cry. So I started covering my face. I don't even want my wife to see me while I'm crying. <laughs> but it was good. It was so good. So I thought, man, it'd be really appropriate for you to ask a friend about joy in your life because I'm sorting it out myself, and maybe you can too. But then secondly, thank the Lord for the joy in your soul. Because as I've evaluated myself, like I, I'm not as expressive naturally on most things. But there is this joy that's in my soul. I can't fully articulate what it is, but it's there. And I know I didn't earn it. I haven't disciplined myself to have it. It was given to me. Piper's definition, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by who? By the Holy Spirit. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 reads, as you, as you know, we, we read a couple weeks ago, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind. I, I love the NLT. They add holy. It just helps you know. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no, no law against these things. The Holy Spirit produces joy. As I uh, examine myself, uh, this is probably the most bothersome part of the whole deal is that I know because of the work of Jesus on the cross, that I've been trusted with the Holy Spirit. So am I holding him back in some way in, in my soul to produce joy? I texted my best friend from college last night, last night, Carl Banks. He lives in Seattle. And I, I, and we only hung out for three years in college, and we've kept up since. But I text him, man, when, I, when I'm, I'm preaching on joy on Sunday, when I think about joy, I think about you. It's just a dude who's, who was full of joy. So as only Carl Banks can, he calls me back, and uh, he goes, man, I know you only got a minute. And then somehow he explains how he's lost and he's driving all in like one minute. Like he's talking really fast. Some of you people with joy, that's what you do. You talk really fast. You're just so excited to talk. Anyway, he's, he's talking and for one minute, and then all of a sudden he goes, you remember that guy? And I'm like, what guy, man? What guy are you talking about? I'm trying to figure out what he's talking about. You remember that guy? He goes, the guy, the, the soccer guy. So long story, when we were in college, he and I, he played football in high school. I played baseball, and our little teeny college had a soccer team, and we made fun of the soccer guys. 
forgive me. I saw Braxton. Forgive me, Braxton. We made fun of the soccer guys. And so they mocked us, and so we decided to play soccer. I played in baseball cleats. By the way, I learned that was illegal after the first game. But anyway, we played soccer, and we had a blast running around having no clue what we were doing. Uh, by the way, I played goalie one game. That ball is cooking when it hits your hands. Um, so we played this other team, and we met a kid on the other team, and he and I shared Christ with him. And uh, he goes, you remember that guy? That's the guy he was talking about. It took me a minute to figure out who he was talking about. He named the team. This guy was actually studying to be a priest, but he was lost. And uh, we shared Christ with him. We hung out with him a couple times. And he goes, you know why that guy got saved, John? Because of our joy. And I cried again. And from my wife again. Because that was so true and right. Lexington's dying to see some Christians that have joy. This guy believed, he called us probably 15 years later. He's a pastor somewhere in the West Coast. He, he, he believed in Jesus. He, he just hadn't seen joy related to religion before. And it made sense for him. So like I wrote in my notes, it's something I haven't prayed enough for. Calling out on the phone last night, he goes, man, I'm trying to get back to being that same guy we were back then. And if he's trying to get back, I definitely need to try to get back. Which would mean for me and you this morning that we would say yes to the Holy Spirit because he produces joy. Reading the devotional every morning uh, by Tozer, um, it's about the Holy Spirit. And it's just making me discipline myself on a daily basis to yield to the Holy Spirit. To say, I want you to control me today. So, really fair for you to do this in your seat right now? Like you can ask your friends later. You can thank God for the joy that's already there. But I think for, for all of us to ask him or, or tell him, yes, Holy Spirit, I want, you to, I want you to set that joy in me free. Which means you're going to say no to some other stuff. Right? Like there's all this other stuff warring for to be like the the producer of joy in your life. Most of us have experienced at this point that most of those don't last. For some of y'all, that means saying no to some guy. Right? Because you're bouncing to this guy and you're just hoping he's gonna produce joy for you. It's gonna make you happy. Or or it's maybe that thing. This is a time of things, sadly, at Christmas, where it seems like if I just get this gift this year, that it'll produce joy for me. Or if you're like me, it's a challenge. I need a new challenge all the time. And when I, when I get to chase after a challenge, it produces this weird joy for me. Those things aren't wrong in themselves, right? But when, when you're, we're chasing after them as a way to solve our joy problem, they just... They just don't deliver. Piper says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us, causes us to see the beauty of Christ. What a great line. The Holy Spirit causes us to see the beauty of Christ. So it's not, so, so, so it's not just that this Holy Spirit just puts this on me and uh, I, nothing else happens. It's, uh, he produces this thing inside of me that makes me look toward Christ, and I see Christ as beautiful. 
It's the interesting part about Christmas. It's the part where I definitely don't want to be the Grinch. Because Christ's birth, which the church is really only celebrated for about a thousand years. So half of church history. The first half, it was Pentecost and Easter. That's what everybody celebrated. The second half, Christmas has picked up a whole lot of steam. There seems to be this understanding that Christ's birth, it captures him becoming a man to be able to relate to us in a way that nothing else could have. And so we celebrate the fact that he was born a baby. An interesting text I read this week. Um, Tim Keller, I, I read a book that he wrote on this, and he he goes to 1 John 1, 1 through 4. It obviously doesn't talk about Jesus being born, but it, it captures the incarnation in a pretty cool way. I want to read it to you. 1 John 1, 1 through 4 says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. When he says beginning, he's not talking about eternity past. He's actually talking about his birth, when it started, when he, he's been God for all eternity. Now God's, God the Son is also man. So now he's, big word, hypostatic union. He's all God, all man. So since the beginning, whom we've heard and seen, check out the language, we saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. I read this this week. I'm like, God, so good. He's the word of life. This one who is life itself has, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. You're just walking through this process as John the writer is like, I touched him with my own hands. I saw him with my physical eyes. And now we testify and claim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. What? I thought he gave us eternal life. It says, that he is the one who is eternal life. Every religion has eternal life in their writings. All of them point toward it. Jesus says, I am it. I am eternal life. Pretty, pretty interesting phrase. Eastern religions, when they speak of of God, they speak of him as more of an impersonal force. So we think, may the force be with you, like impersonal force that you can't really know, but it's a part of your life in some way. Some religions actually make God personal, but he's not intimate. Christianity says that God became flesh. And Jesus, when he came as a man, he brought eternal life to us. It's a powerful idea. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. He was eternal, then he was born, and he was with us. Eternal life is now with us. And what's John 3.16 teach us? That if we believe in Jesus, then we have what? Eternal life. And if we don't, we'll perish. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. It's actually one of the writers writes that he's like swearing out a deposition. John is saying, hey, look, you can take me to court. I saw it with my own eyes. I touched him with my own hands. I heard his words in these ears. I even smelled him. Write it down. I'll go to court to tell you this truth. And finally, verse 4, we're writing these things so that you may 
fully share what? Our joy. So at Christmas time, when we sing joy to the world, we're celebrating the fact that God became man and he brought eternal life to us in the form of Jesus. It was the beginning. Obviously, this was the end. As he hung on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. He started it at birth. He finished it at his death. He accomplished this thing on our, on our behalf. John 15, which we'll get a little bit more on Christmas Eve. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me, speaking to the disciples. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obey the Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Another translation says, your joy will be complete. You kind of feel him pouring his joy in and then it filling us all the way up to where we're completely joyous people. We talked about forgiveness the other day. I said we ought to be forgiveness machines. Christians ought to be forgiveness machines. <laughs> I really don't want to say that about joy. But it's true. There's the potential for me, if I would say yes to the Holy Spirit, for him to fill me with joy, despite my circumstances. Finally, Piper says, uh, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. In the word. Man, if you don't haven't spent any time in the Gospels, I just encourage you to read them. Get the easiest translation to read. Don't worry about having Just get the easiest English translation. We'll give you one. You can take the one out from under the seat. You will need glasses to read it, but you can pull the one out from under the seat. That's the, that's the New Living Translation. Pretty easy to read. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's in God's Word, and it tells the stories about Jesus. It explains to us his beauty as he walked the earth. Anybody? Anybody, like, you see Steph Curry play the other night? Like, it's just a beautiful thing. Then he got hurt, you can't watch him anymore. Like, right? Like, but he, it's this beautiful, if you're a basketball guy, it's a beautiful thing to watch this guy play. So you get to watch him for a few minutes and you celebrate the beauty of When you eat Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get to see a life and teachings and, and the miraculous that you cannot deny is beautiful. You might deny whether they're all true, but as you read it, you're like, there's nothing like this that I've ever read anywhere else about anybody else. James says this. So don't be misled. We can stop right there. Because the enemy, for all he's worth, wants to convince you that God is not good and there should be no joy. So that you would seek your joy, no joy in him, I should say, that you seek your joy somewhere else. So he says, do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Our joy is connected directly to the goodness of God. 
It gives us confidence about it. So, so when we read the word, we actually get to see the beauty of Jesus, but we can also see it in real life. Like, there ain't nothing wrong with, with uh, on January 1st, when you come, if you get one of Cheryl's cinnamon buns, it's going to give you some joy. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Like, it might cost you like a couple pounds, but it's going to give you some, some joy. There's all kinds of things. That right now, probably if it's 10 o'clock yet, the beautiful game has begun, right? It's, it's the world championship. There's Argentina's playing France, and the whole world's watching. People are going to get great joy when the announcer goes, go! Oh, you need to listen to the Hispanic station because they say it way better than American stations do or the English stations do. Like, there's just this celebration and joy. That's not wrong. That's a part of this world that he created. It's fun to see those men use what they have. You'll see Messi do some stuff with the, like, I think they call it shaping the ball. Isn't that what y'all, soccer, is that what they call it, Braxton? All right, thank you, man. I see, I know my stuff. Like, like, there's this joy that they have as they play. It's this thing that they, that, that gives joy, and it's joyous doing it. Uh, nothing wrong with those things when you understand that ultimate joy comes in Jesus. It helps us understand how the world works from a cinnamon bun to a soccer game. At Radius, we get great joy when the good news about Jesus is going out. Right, like, so we can enjoy that as we watch one another do our thing. I got to go to Southeastern Freight the other day, and uh, Cleet, one of, one of our elders here, has this Bible study where actually hundreds of people come to it. I thought, this is what we were dreaming about when we started Radius. So I, I sat there just with straight-up joy. I sat at Creekside with a partner from Radius this week who's talking about how he loves his neighbors. Multi-ethnic neighborhood here in Lexington where they have, they have all of these groups gathering where, where they're sharing meals together, they're enjoying each other, but they're representing Jesus in the neighborhood. That's what we were dreaming about when we started Radius. But see, that's what God did when Jesus came. He moved into the neighborhood and he brought joy. A place there wasn't joy. So on a Sunday where... We're getting ready for Christmas, and I know some of y'all have some dread about it. Some of you are going to miss the loved one there for the first time. Some of you won't get invited to the family deal. It'll be painful to be alone. Some of you will work through grief. Some of y'all are depressed right now, maybe not clinically. I always tell Cheryl, I'm just low. I'm scared to use the depressed word, right? Like, like, I'm just, I feel low. If we have the spirit, there's the potential to have joy even while I grieve, even while I feel low. Because of this work that Jesus did that provided a way for me to have a relationship with him. I'll be straight with you. A lot of times, that it, it doesn't move me out of that spot of pain. But it does give me a little rest in the pain. So we as, as believers sing joy to the world at this time of year because of this thing that we have that's all the way down in the soul. We sing joy to the world, we say, because the Savior reigns. I love, I love the fact that he says Savior, so he did all the work to put us in a position to know God, and yet he reigns. He's also in control. 
He's, you get to see him as a servant, and then he reigns. Great, great line. And then in that same song, he says, it's joy, unspeakable joy. Elation for the believer somewhere deep in his soul. So if you will with me, examine your soul. If you want to take a chance, take somebody as you walk out of here and ask them about how they view you in regards to joy. And then process it, man. If you process it all the way up to Christmas, maybe it'll get you ready for Christmas. Thank God for the joy that you know you have, even if you can't identify it right now. Pray for it. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Be patient with me, Lord. Thank you. I don't know what it is that makes me want to climb the next hill before I celebrate getting to the top of the first one. Because of that, oftentimes I, I miss celebrating you and just enjoying what you do in me. I'll say it in front of uh, brothers and sisters right now that uh, I say yes to you right now, Holy Spirit. I want that joy that you provide. Help me say no to the other things that fight for my soul. Lord, we, we as a group, we love to baptize somebody every week because they watched us in this community and they saw our joy. So I pray, Father, that you would stir that thing up in us through your spirit that others would see and they could experience as well. I know there's always a few folks in the room that see it's really cool having them here, but as they hear me talk, this stuff makes no sense. I imagine I can't put words together well enough to make sense of it, but I pray, Holy Spirit, you would convince them of the Father's love for them and of Christ's sacrifice for them, and that you would open their eyes to this deep indwelling joy that we have and give it to them, Lord. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.